All right. Good morning, Calvary Chapel. We're drawing near to another year, aren't we? Exciting for some and probably not for others. I guess it depends on what's going on in your life. But we are blessed if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's what makes the difference. I uh, was looking at a verse this morning out of Galatians, and it says, Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season you will reap if you do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And one of the things that the enemy wants to do in our walks with Christ is he wants to wear you down. He wants you to grow weary. He wants you to lose heart. He wants you to get yourself surrounded by issues in life, difficulties in life, things that will, in time, they, they want to wear you down. And the promise here in this verse is that we are going to reap if we do not lose heart. And so what we need to do is we need to continually uh, come before the Lord in prayer. We need to continually come before Him in a, in a heart that just says, God, I need to be ministered to by You, by Your Holy Spirit. I need to be strengthened by Your Holy Spirit. We need to, as a body of believers, come alongside one another and encourage one another. Pray for each other. Help one another out. And encourage each other. Especially like Paul wrote here, especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's your brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be here for one another. This is the body of Christ. And we should be looking for ways uh, to encourage each other in that. How many of you have ever heard of a particular day that happens in New York City? It happens in Times Square. It's actually called Good Riddance Day. Raise your hand. Anybody? Good Riddance Day. Anybody ever been to it? No one's been to Good Riddance Day. Well, I never heard of it until yesterday. And I looked up what Good Riddance Day was about in light of our coming to a year end. And what they do, and I believe this is the 12th year that they've done this. I'm surprised I've never heard of it. But what they do is this uh, company sets up this large shredder out there in Times Square. And all the people uh, come. It happened actually Friday. All the people come, it's for like a two hour period, and they have these pieces of paper that just say that on the top, Good Riddance Day. And it gives a place for you to be able to write out those things that you want to get rid of. And then you walk them over and you place them into the 
thing that puts it into the shredder. And it just shreds it. I started thinking, you know, people are always looking for ways to get rid of issues of the past. Hard and difficult things that we would like just to forget about. And I read some of the papers that people wrote out. Some of the things that they put on that paper, pretty interesting. And and some of them you're thinking, it's not going to change because you put it in a shredder. I mean, I just simply wish that it would be that easy for anyone. It's just a, you write it out on a paper, stick it in the shredder, and it's gone. I mean, we labor all year long in a gym, don't we? Trying to lose weight. One person wrote on there, you know, lose excess weight. Put it into the shredder, and then, wow, it's gone. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? If it just worked that way. Uh, With that said, let's turn in our Bibles this morning. We're going to be in the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 3, covering verses 12 to 14. I titled this morning's message, Running Our Race. The Apostle Paul, he quite often spoke of our Christian experience as that of running a race. It's actually a very popular passage uh, at the year end. That quite often a lot of churches really address this particular passage about running a race. You know, we're just those kind of people that, you know, I, I, I was talking with my friend coming up here to church today that, you know what, God doesn't, work within clocks and time frames and years. You know, he's outside of that. But, but we do. We live with a clock. We live with a calendar. We live from year to year uh, in our lives. And a lot of us, when we think of the year that we're finishing up, we, in our minds we're thinking, you know what, it's either been a, a pretty good year, a not so good year, or, or it's been a great year in a lot of ways. Not too many real difficult problems or or whatever, but usually when we're coming to the end of a year, we're anticipating something that's coming in the new year. Something that we don't even know. Because we can't see ahead. We don't know what even tomorrow is going to look like. But Paul likening our Christian walks, our Christian experience to one of running a race. Paul was real good about that, like the Lord in in his teaching. He would give these pictures. I I think Paul was that kind of guy that used to like to go and watch the races, like going out to the Olympics and watching all those people running track. It was a typical sport in the day. Running the race, just like it is today. Today. But it was on that day when the Apostle Paul was making his journey there to Damascus. This was before he knew Christ as Lord and Savior. He was a religious man. He was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. In the name of God, he was going and making his way to Damascus to haul off these Christians to put them in prison because he believed that he was actually doing God a service. In all of his religiosity, 
He was doing God a service by stamping out this thing called Christianity. But it was on that day that we read in the book of Acts that the Apostle Paul had an encounter with the living God. He was saved. And, and, and Jesus met him there that day on that road to Damascus. It was on that day that the Apostle Paul entered the race. What was the day that you entered the race in your life? What year was it and what day was it that you entered the race? When did you line up on the track? The day you gave your life to Christ, whether you knew it or not, in a sense you entered a race. Just like Paul likens our, our walk to. You were given your own lane on that track. You know how they have those individual lanes? You were given your own lane on that track. There weren't all of you lined up in front of each other on one lane. You had your own lane on the track. Whether you're married or, or not married. Uh, you, you, you're on your own when it comes to the race that you're running. Your spouse can't run the race for you. You have to run it on your own. And you began your competition on that day. But the competition that you began in this race was not competing with other Christians. It was running the race to receive a prize. It wasn't a competition between each other. We all had our lane and we were all running for the prize. Some of you, on that day, you might have started out walking the day you gave your life to Christ. Some of you might have, maybe, maybe you got saved and in a sense, you came right out of the gate jogging. Some of you maybe came out sprinting off the line. I mean, you, get, you were just, you know, it was like from day one, it was like pull the stops out and you were just running. But we all started at some pace in this race. But what we have come to learn, most of us, if not all of us here, is that when you're in this race and you're running this race, that we, we all know that we experience many bumps and potholes along the course. And, and, and quite often we find ourselves getting tripped up we find ourselves getting bumped a little bit, tripped up. And then as we continue to grow in our relationship with Christ and we understand the grace of God more and more in our lives, we realize that, you know what? We can trip, we can fall, but we can get back up. How many of you have found that? 
You started out, you tripped up, you fell, maybe you got away, maybe you just, you know, it's just not the same as it used to be. And by the grace of God, one day as God got your attention, you picked it back up and you began to run again. And in a sense, you had to forget about all of that stuff of the past, all of your failures, all where you go, because you know what? I want to run forward. I want to go forward. But we also know as Christians that the goal that it's ahead of us. The goal's not behind you in any race. The, the goal is ahead of you. The finish line is ahead of you. And we're called, and Paul speaks of it this way, we're all called to keep pressing towards that goal. If you could just get that in your mind, if you could see it in your mind's eye, that goal that's set before you in your lane, We're all going to finish this race in different ways. We're not all going to finish it the same way. And it's, it's real important for us to know that it's not really how you start that is the most important, it's how you finish. That's the most important part of your race. Lots of people start out with a big bang. They start out sprinting. And... In time, they stumble, they fall, and they don't pick it back up too easily or too soon. And sometimes those things go on for months and sometimes they go on for years. And if the Lord were to come back in that season in your life, that's how you're going to finish up. It's how you're going to kind of go over the, the finish line. You see, every day of the year, there are Christians who come to the end of their race. 365 days a year, there are Christians coming to the end of their race. You might say they've reached their goal. Some of them are going to come crawling up to that goal, to that finish line. Some may arrive and they're going to come in limping. There's going to be others that are going to be coming towards that finish line with their arms out like this. You've seen it in the races. They're trying to, you know, I mean, they're just, it's like everything within them. Their arms are just stretched out towards that finish line. They're going to let that thing hit their chest and they're just going to, they're going to fly across that finish line, that goal at the end. What we have to ask God to do in us is to change in us. Make us something. Make something different in us so that this next year, if if the Lord were to come back, how am I going to enter in? How am I going to cross that line on that day? Listen to what Paul said about how he was pressing towards the goal. It's our text this morning, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. Look in your Bibles. 
Not that I have already attained, and Paul is speaking of his own personal walk here. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Those words are pretty challenging. If we, if we were to just to consider our walk and where we're at right now, where we would like to be, the things that we would like to have God change in us and do in us. But when he says, this one thing I do, it that's one thing. But then he says, forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forward to those things that are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of, Christ, of God in Christ. It sounds like he's saying three things there. But this one thing I do. And really what Paul is saying, that this one thing that he does, it really those three things encompass that one thing. This is the one thing that I do. But before we look a little bit closer at these verses, in verses 12 to 14, we need to read verses 3 to 11. In verses 3 to 11, Paul is looking back. In verses 12 to 14, it's Paul looking forward. Look what he says. Verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we have no confidence in the flesh. Paul, in a sense, is defining a person that has a relationship with Christ. We are the circumcision. We're not the mutilation that he talks about. Before that, we're the circumcision, the mutilation. He's talking about the, the legal aspect of circumcision and how the Jews and they were, you couldn't be saved unless you were circumcised. Paul says we are the circumcision. We have had the circumcision of the heart. It's the cutting away of the sin. It's God coming in and changing you. We are, Christians, the circumcision. And we also worship God in the Spirit. And we also rejoice in Christ Jesus. And we also have no confidence in the flesh. This is characteristic of a Christian. It's who we are as believers. But Paul says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I the more. If anybody's going to be able to stand here and brag about all of their religious activity, talk about their past, talk about who I was as this religious Pharisee, I could do more than you. He says, I the more. 
He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day like every Jewish boy was, according to the law. I was of the stock of Israel. I was God's chosen people. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. And of all the 12 tribes, the tribe of Benjamin was considered one of those elite tribes. That's the tribe I came from. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I practiced the law. Concerning the law, he says, I was a Pharisee. I was of that sect of Phariseeism that that just sought to live up to the law. Every detail of the law, even though they didn't. Concerning zeal and my zealousness for the things of God, I persecuted the church. In my days before Christ, I persecuted the church. I wasted it beyond measure. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. At least in my own thinking is what Paul is really saying. In my own thinking, I was blameless before God. That's quite the resume. That's really a picture of that religious person that doesn't have a personal relationship with the living God, but they're doing all the exterior and all the right things. A lot of confidence that brings you in the flesh. This was Paul's days before he knew Christ. We all have that testimony, don't we? What was your day like before Christ? What was the testimony or what testimony would you give of how you responded to God, how you lived for God or didn't live for God, how you rejected God? What was your testimony before Christ? And what is your testimony now? Who are you now in Christ? The question I think that's a good one to ask ourselves frequently. What is God doing in my life today? What's God doing in you today? This last week here. What's God showing me about myself? What is He revealing to me about who I am? And, and, you know, some of the things that I, some of the odd, quirky, weird, you know, things that God's saying, I want to deal with that. You know, what's God showing me about myself? Am I experiencing anything new in my walk? You know, I've been a Christian for a long time. You know, it's going on 10 years. It's going on 15 years. It's going on 25 years. Is there anything different in me than when I look back? Or, or is it just the same old, same old? You know, year after year, nothing much changes. You know, I go to church, same old, same old. Those have to be heart-searching questions if you're really honest to ask them. Do I know Him more this year than I did last year? Do 
Do I know more about His character and His nature and who He is and how He loves me and His grace towards me? And his mer- Am I learning His grace more and more? Is, is there something that I'm learning about God in a greater way this year that I never knew before? Takes hard work, doesn't it? Takes getting into the Word of God. Takes laying our heart out before the Lord and saying, this is me, God, with all my failures, short, all these things, this is who I am. God, would you deal with me? And being okay inside to say that to God. Allowing God to have His way in you. Paul went on to say this, about his past and also the things that he came to know. He says, verse 7, he says, but what things were gained to me? But what things were gained to me, speaking of his past, there's the problem. That's the problem. The things that were gained to me. You see, there's a lot of religious activity that people can do. And it's only for your benefit. I'm really doing it for me. You know, it makes me feel really good. And what things were gained to me, Paul says, these things I counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. You know what rubbish is? Trash. I count all of that but trash. It's all rubbish. All all that past stuff that I gloried in, all the resume that I just told you about of myself, bunch of rubbish. Next to the knowledge, next to knowing Him, I had to lose it. My loss became my gain. And being found in Him, verse 9, Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him. Look at verse 10. That I may know Him. Is that your desire? It doesn't mean just know about Him, but that I may know Him. Our... Wives don't want us as husbands just to know who they are. Yeah, I know your name. No, they want us to know them. God wants us to know Him in a deeper way. That I might know Him. And and not only that I might know Him, but that I might know the power of His resurrection. That I might experience that power that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead, that I would experience it in my life. 
I want my Christianity to be, to be something more than just what happens down there at the church corner. I want to experience Him during the week. His power in my life. That resurrection power in my life. And not only that, but I, I, I want to know the fellowship of His suffering. I read of it. I read about how Christ suffered on my behalf. He did it for me. I count myself worthy, Paul says, to suffer on behalf of Christ. I want to know that suffering. I want to know the kind of suffering that allowed Him to go to the cross on my behalf. The kind of love that drove Him to the cross. That He was willing to suffer for me. I want to partake of that fellow suffering. As I go out and I share the Gospel and people say to me, get out of my face. I don't want to hear that. Or, or, or they reject what you have to say. I want to experience that kind of suffering, even that rejection that my Lord experienced. I'm not above that. I want to be conformed to His death. He humbled Himself and He became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. He went to the cross willingly as an obedient son to the cross. I want to experience this kind of relationship with God. If by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. You see, that's what it's going to be all about. All of this temporary stuff. All of what's going on in your life day in and day out, year after year, when the Lord comes back or if you go home to be with the Lord before He comes back, it's all about that day. It's all about the hope that we have in Christ. Those glorified bodies, that, new, that resurrected body, we're going to be with the Lord for eternity. We're going to be with one another for eternity. This was Paul's hope. This was his confident expectation. This is what made him get up out of bed every day and just press on towards that goal. All of those things of the past, in Paul's mind, they're gone. What he desired was still ahead of him. The problem is, is there's a lot of us here that are still dwelling in the past. There's still things that are weighing you down and holding you back. And what we need to do is we need to press forward, forgetting those things that are behind. In the next three verses, our text this morning... Paul gives us some important things to remember about our walk in Christ. Look at verse 12 again. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, 
Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says in verse 12, I have not already attained. To attain, it it means to gain something through effort. It means to accomplish or to achieve something. Paul is saying, I have not arrived. Has anyone arrived here? You know what I mean by that. I've arrived. (laughs) Doing good, man. I I don't know that I can get much better than this. I don't know that I can actually be a better Christian than what I am right now. I mean, I've actually arrived. I'm I'm at a really great place. Paul says... I haven't attained. I still have something that's out in the distance that I'm running towards. I haven't yet gained possession or laid hold of of all that I seek to be. Have you? Do you want to see God do something more in you in 2019? Do you have your sights set on the goal? Do you look at yourself as, you know what, God, I'm not content with what I am right now. I'm content with what you're doing in me as I allow you to do it. I'm not walking around in condemnation and, and, and no, I'm not that way. But I'm not content with where I am today. If my goal is to be like you and to walk as you walk, then how could I be content? There's a lot more work that you need to do. I see the goal. And I know that I haven't obtained it yet. He also says that I'm not already perfected. Perfected is the Greek word which speaks of being fully mature. Complete like a finished work, like it's a a finished product. I'm not already perfected. Paul's not talking about reaching a, a state of moral perfection. That'll never happen in this life. You're never, you're never going to run in this race and see it off in a, in a, in a, and you're going to achieve it in this life. You know how you know that? Just ask somebody that's been walking with the Lord for 50 plus years. And ask them, do you think there's any more work that needs to be done in you? (laughs) I used to love to hear Chuck saying, look what God still needs to do in me. Paul says, you know what? God's not done with me. There's a lot of work to be done. I am not already perfected. But I'm looking for that day of completion. I'm looking for that day when I have my new body. I'm looking for that time when I'm going to be in my glorified state. When there's not going to be any more struggling with sin anymore. It's not going to be a battle every day when we get out of bed. I'm looking forward to that day when I cross that finish line. You see, perfection is different from completion. 
We're not going to be perfected in this body, but we are looking ahead for that completion. Those are two different things. And we need to know that what God starts, God completes. God finishes. He started the work in you the day you gave your life to Christ, and He's not going to be done until when? Until the day of Jesus Christ. That's the verse that I keep asking you to memorize. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this very thing, that He that began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That word perform means to complete something, to undergo, to accomplish, or make perfect. So what is Paul saying to us there? What God starts, God finishes. God is doing that in your life. And you can trust Him with that. Our only response to all of this just needs to be, God, I yield to You. I'm just going to yield to what You want to do. I abide in you and and I'm going to yield to you and let you have your way in me. I can't do it. I can't make myself change. I can't work it out. I I can't do it in my own effort. I have to let you do it. But if you allow God to do it, He'll do it. And you know what? He'll do it even if you're not allowing Him, but you're going to have a lot more spiritual spankings along the way. Because remember, as I've shared in the past, God always wins. (laughs) Don't ever think that you're going to win against God. Uh, He loves you too much. He loves you that much that He won't leave you to yourself without chastising those whom He loves. He'll do it. He also says in verse 12, Paul says, but I press on. Paul, Paul's words here, but I press on, speak of doing something continually. That we just continue to do what we know that we should do. Have you ever found yourself having a struggle with being consistent? Just being consistent with the basic simple things that we're called to do as Christians so that we'll grow. And I have a hard time just being consistent with that. I need to press on. I need to to continually be pressing on, making effort. I need to keep pressing on. I need to not stop. I need to not give up. I need to keep going on. Not in our own strength, not in our own effort, but God, would you strengthen me that I would keep running? We need to know that your race is not measured, again, by how well you start, but how well you finish. That's the measuring. Because if you're only concerned with how you start and you don't care about what's going to happen in the future, you're not going to be pressing that hard. I want to be different than what I am now. And in doing so, I have to diligently press forward. Press on. Why did Paul keep pressing on? 
that I may lay hold of that which, those things that make me more like Christ. That's the best way to put it. Those things that make me more like Him, that I may lay hold of that. I want to be like Him. I want to lay hold of that. That's why I press on. Paul continued this thought in verse 13. He says, brethren, he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I haven't reached that state yet of perfection like being like Christ. But I want you to work that in me. I I, I want that work that you started in me to be finished. By the time that Paul wrote this letter here in Philippians, Paul had already been following and walking with the Lord for 30 some years. Paul would have been considered, if you want to say, a spiritual giant in the day. And he's he's saying here, but I do not count myself to have apprehended. It shows you a little bit about the mindset of somebody that's even mature in Christ. They realize the longer they've been a Christian, how much more work there really is to do. Remember when you gave your life to Christ and you gave up the five bad things that you could count on your hand? And you thought once you gave them up, you thought, man, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I've only been a Christian a year. I've already given up these five bad things. And then as time went on, you realize how Really, there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's a lot more than that. There's areas in my life that I never realized that I was messing up in, or like I, and God has a, a big work still. We need to know that no matter how long you've known Christ, this race won't be finished until you pass from this life into the next. It's a long haul, isn't it? However long that is, the Lord could come back today and then it's done. But for however long your race is, my race, it's, it's till it's done. Until we cross that line. Until we press into 2019. Think about it. You've got a day and a half. You've got a day and a half until we enter into 2019. You know, what's God going to do in you and me in a day and a half? That maybe we'll enter into 2019 in a different way. That should be a good question for us to all ask ourselves this morning. What will be different when, it, when that calendar rolls around? Be real nice to think that we're entering into a new year with baggage that I've laid at His feet. Sin and unconfessed sin that I've confessed before the Lord. Stuff that I've just given over to Him. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of, in a sense, entering in with a fresh start in 2019. But how does Paul say that we can do this? Look at verse 13, the second half of it. He gives us three things, but it's really one thing. But one thing I do, 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. By forgetting those things which are behind, or as the Amplified Bible reads, it is my aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Just like a runner. Just like that runner straining towards the finish line. 2018 almost gone. 2019 still ahead. And we need to be focused on that goal. Here we go. Another year. Paul in Romans 13.11 said, Now it is high time, Christians. I inserted that word. It's high time, Christians, to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when you first believed. As each hour clicks by, each day goes, passes by, you're closer to that day than when you first believed. And it's high time. The time is now, in other words. Don't put off till tomorrow or next week or next year. The time is now. It's high time to awake out of sleep. It's where we should all leave today with that in our mind. It's high time. And reach forward to those things that are ahead. Reaching forward, simply put, even by definition, means to extend, to stretch out, to literally it means to extend oneself. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Another translation uses the word straining towards what is ahead. You ever seen the face of someone straining? Straining towards those things that are ahead. I actually like that translation better. Straining speaks of giving it all you got. Giving it everything you have. Awaking out of sleep. Running hard. However you want to put it. Peter said in 1 Peter 1, that we have a future inheritance that awaits us. And he defines it this way. He says this future inheritance that is awaiting all believers, that it's incorruptible. It's undefiled and it will not fade away. And it's reserved in heaven for you. Anybody ever received an inheritance? We have. You know, after a while, it's gone. You, know, you used it up. Or you received some material good and after it got messed up after a while and that's gone now. A lot of times that earthly inheritance is gone. This inheritance is going to go on for eternity. It's why we run hard. It's why we continue to press on. It's been said that it's difficult to go forward when you keep looking back. What is true physically is even more true spiritually. 
It's difficult to go forward as a Christian when you keep looking back, when you keep letting your past, when you keep getting drugged back by all of this garbage from the past. It's difficult to go forward. We need to stop, as Paul did, looking back and letting that become a weight that drags us back to it so that we can go forward. Paul says in verse 14, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And when I read this verse, I just get this picture of this runner that has really just this intense, but maybe joyous look on his face as he's finally finishing up that marathon. Man, it's just brutal. It's been a brutal race. It's had a lot of hardships, a lot of difficulties along the way. But you're coming to that end and you're ready to cross that line. Paul says, my eyes are fixed on that goal. That goal at the end of the race, they're fixed. And when I cross over that line, there's going to be a prize there. But the, you know what? That prize is not your salvation. You already have your salvation now. That's not the prize. The greatest prize, the greatest reward for us as believers, when you cross that line, is that you're going to cross over that line and you're going to be then face-to-face with Jesus. And, and you know, the, those words that we read of in Scripture that, that tell us, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Isn't that going to really be the prize, standing there face-to-face with our Lord? John wrote in John, 1 John 3, 2, he says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we will see Him as He is, face to face. 1 Corinthians 13.12 says, For now we see through a mirror dimly, but then face to face. I've never stood face to face with Jesus and seen His face face to face, but that day's coming. And it will be for each one of us. Here are some of the things that we need to know, and I'll finish with this. We need to know about reaching this finish line. All races have a finish line. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you don't enter into some marathon and go, well, we don't have a finish line on this one. Just keep going and going. I'm not running this one. How many of you like to run? Well, we got a couple. Two out of all of us. Two people like to run. I didn't raise my hand. But, you know, when I run, I get on a treadmill. And that's only because I can push the button and it makes me run. You know, and if you stop running, you fall on your face. So, you know, you push the button and it says you're going to run. 
But we need to run. And, and, and every race has a finish line. No Christian will reach the finish line in this life. This life you're running until that day you enter into glory. Our finish line will be the day of glory. Face to face. We're going to have these new bodies and receive that inheritance. Remember that we're not running this race to get into heaven. We're running this race towards heaven. Not to get into heaven. That's a works kind of a thing. I'm running hard, man. I'm working hard. I'm doing everything I can for God because, man, I want to go to heaven. Stop it. Stop working your way to heaven. You'll never get there that way. You're just running towards heaven. Paul in Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That means, and what Paul goes, if you read that first chapter of Ephesians, you're going to realize that, you know what, every spiritual blessing has already been given to you. Now. Not just that you got to wait for us and go, oh, boy, someday, man, I'm going to get all this... No, He's already given you every spiritual blessing. Why? If you're in Christ Jesus. If you know Him as Lord and Savior, then you have it here and now. If you want to list, read the list of all the things that He's given you, then read the first chapter of Ephesians. Each one of us has a place on the track And we should be seeking to lay hold of all that Christ has laid hold for us. 1 Corinthians 1.30, Paul wrote this, but of Him you are in Christ Jesus. He says, who became for us, listen to this, but of Him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He did that all for us. We just went through the book of Romans, didn't we? We learned about this great salvation that we have. Justification by faith, sanctification, glorification. That's what He's already done. All you need to do is bask in what Christ has done and let that have an effect on how you live for Him. But we need to keep going deeper in our understanding. That's why we're not stopping with Romans. By the way, we'll be starting 1 Timothy next week. Looking forward to that. Thirdly, progress always comes through confession of sin. When's the last time that you have actually said with your lips before God in prayer, God, forgive me. I failed you today. I messed up today. And keeping yourself in that right relationship with God. If you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and will continue to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Keep your hearts clean, Christian. It's the pathway to you feeling okay. When you come to church and you feel okay, it's because you've been confessing during the week. Don't wait till you come to church and then this is the you know, time to get it all. So if, if that happens, it happens. 
but sort things out every day. Not forgetting past sins and failures can keep you from going forward. Is there anything that you're wrestling with here this morning that you think about your past of how you really messed up that just seems to be a weight, a noose around your neck that keeps you from going forward? Oh man, I was such a, you don't know, man. I was just, I was the most wicked, terrible, you don't know the things I did. You don't know the people I hurt. You don't know the, you know, you don't know all these things about me. And you know what? I just can't let them go. I, I can't, you know, I can't seem to move on. I can't get beyond all of that junk of the past. It just keeps pulling me down. We need to forget those things that are behind. If you've been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, then that's past. The wipe on, wipe off board has been wiped clean. Living one day under the Lord is important for us as Christians. Not being concerned or worried about the things of tomorrow. If I could just live for the Lord today until I put my head back on the bed tonight, then I've done well. If I could just live for Him today, that's all I need to be concerned. You don't even have to be concerned with tomorrow. You don't even know if tomorrow will be here. But if I could just live one day under the Lord, God would be pleased, God would be satisfied, and God would say, you know, you're doing it my way. Just seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. And do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Number six, and we're almost there. By living in victory that we have already, that we already have in Christ. Are you living in that victory right now? Are you actually living in the victory that God has made available to you in Christ Jesus? We need to live that way. We need to keep our head above water. Too many Christians are in this mode of, you know, sinking all the time. I can't get my head, I just, I can't get above water. I feel like I'm always just, no. Walk in the victory that we have in Christ. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Christ. Lastly, by trusting and relying on the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Jesus said in John 15.5, He says, I am the vine. He's saying this to His disciples there in that upper room. You're the branches. He who abides in Me and I in Him bears much fruit, for without Me you can do nothing. We need to heed those words. It wasn't just to the disciples, it was to us. In Galatians 5.16, Paul wrote, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. 
If you want to have victory over sin, then just say, God, every single day, God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you empower me to say no to sin today? Can I walk and follow after you and your power today? God, I'm dependent on your Holy Spirit. I can't do it apart from you. And if we would do that and walk in the Spirit and spend time in prayer, time in God's Word, and start our day out the way God has instructed us to do, then you're going to start seeing more victory shouts in your life instead of defeats. Walk in the Spirit, walk close to Jesus, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Sounds like a guarantee. Sounds like... You know, it's a pathway to victory. Hebrews chapter 12 follows chapter 11. You know that, right? But in verse 1 and 2, it says, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the cloud of witnesses are in chapter 11. You can read about all of them. But since we are so surrounded by these cloud of witnesses, then let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Then do it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, And he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's the pathway to glory. It was for our Lord, it is for you. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 9.24, he says, "Do, Do you not know that those who run in a race, that they all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. What is that way? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. I want to get into the race and run it God's way. I want to look for the goal and I want to look for the prize and I want to get there and I want to receive it in that day. We hope you have enjoyed today's study. For more information on teachings, events, worship times, and location, please visit our website, ccfwinstonsalem.com. From Pastor Greg and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, thank you for listening and being part of our study through God's Word.